It's going to be that kind of morning. I'm, I'm about to. I'm about like, to call you old, you and you're serious? not old. <laughs> like, what just happened there? So, hey, everybody, welcome <sighs> to the True Wealth Show. It is Tuesday, and I know it is the best Tuesday you've had all week. And I am glad that you are joining us to spend it with us this afternoon. Uh, we are talking all kinds of fun today. Of course, the True Wealth Show where money meets real life, right? And so we're going to be talking about that. And what what is wealth? Well, what is money is how you trade your time. True yeah. wealth is the memories and relationships you build along the way, the stuff that really matters, okay? Because money is just, it, it makes it happen in some cases, but it's certainly not about the money. And as we've discussed many times, so Katie, can money buy happiness? Well, it can help. <laughs> yeah, for yes, sure. it can actually. It's, uh, but it can just... you be happy without money? Sure. But, but does it help add to it? Yes. Because there's a lot saying, of things that I could spend money on to make me happy. It turns out, and the research will confirm it, money does, in fact, buy happiness. What it doesn't buy is contentment. Okay. I was going to say lasting happiness. Yeah, it's not like going to stick with you for a lot forever. And, right. And, and, of course, we've talked about this. I love this term. You know why you can't stay satisfied. Ooh, that's a good question. Why can't you stay satisfied? Hedonistic adaptation. Oh, that is a good word. <laughs> it's a Hedon great term. One more time. Hedonistic, Hedonistic adaptation. adaptation. All right. It's the idea that we quickly become acclimated to the comforts in our lives. Well, and that's why a lot of times when you get a pay increase, all of a sudden your whole lifestyle kind of increases a little bit to match the pay. Right. Isn't it's not, we talk about yeah, yeah, it's it's everybody lives paycheck to paycheck, but no they don't. Whatever you do, everybody spends paycheck to paycheck. Right. You don't have to do that. No, but it's you very can, hard not to. <laughs> you can be weird. You can set yourself on a budget and not spend more than you make. I know this is a crazy concept. And if you make so much money that it just happens automatically, God bless you, right? I mean, like, then, then you're in that spot. But also, uh, the, as the expression goes, unto he or she whom much is given, much, much shall be required. That's true. That's okay? true. So you've got to keep in mind when you're blessed like that. Uh, I take a very libertarian view on blessing, okay? Uh, you can call it karma. You can call it lots of things. I am not one that believes that it's the government's job to redistribute your wealth to other people. I don't either. But I think it's your job to do that. Okay. And I, I think it's important that uh, we all need to maintain perspective and generosity where we can and so forth. Uh, and what that means to each person is going to be uniquely personal. Well, and earlier when we started the show, we were talking about buying happiness. We didn't necessarily say that that meant stuff. Sometimes just helping someone out or, you know, doing something that is a financial reward to someone else can also make you happy. True. Like it doesn't have to be a shiny object for you personally. Well, experiences, it turns out, are the ones that tend to be the most lasting, right? Uh, this is this is the mistaken utility of a purchase. Somebody believes that, well, I would rather buy this thing then have a nice meal, okay? And because the meal, it's just you're going to have it at that moment. It's going to be gone, right? I mean, like, it's literally just evaporated. This is the mentality that goes right, with I'm it, listening. right? Mm -hmm. uh, versus if I go out and buy this new stereo, I'm going to have that stereo tomorrow and the day after and the day after, and so it will keep making me happy. <laughs> it doesn't. 
right? That's the hedonistic adaptation part. Right. And what research will tell you is that the the best thing about an experience, especially one that's planned in advance, is that it pays you in three ways. Which are? The anticipation of, the experience during, and then the memory after for creating an experience. So for me, it's even though I am a foodie and I love food, and David always laughs every time we go out to a nice meal, because he, I think he just likes to pick on me during the meal. Yes. But, yes. but I, I love the food. And I, I do. For me, though, the dining experience um, is not just about the quality of the food, but the people that are with me. So a lot of times the experience is more important to me based on who is with me than the actual consumption. Like you just talked about a nice right. meal. I can go to a nice meal, but if I go by myself, the experience isn't the same. Yeah, Versus if I go same. with like, you know, a few of my close couples friends, I feel like the experience is way better. Oh, yeah. So I, it's, it's, I agree. And for me, it's the, but I agree with you on experiences. And I've mm-hmm. kind of transitioned to that as I've gotten older, um, even for, you know, people say, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And I say, well, I want an experience. Like, I don't I don't need a thing. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm at the point in my life. You are, too, where if we wanted stuff, we go buy it. Like, we have the means to go buy the thing we want. So it's yeah, having, most of the time. Well, yeah, <laughs> it depends like, on the thing. You know, I'm not buying a Tesla. So, you know, if you want to buy me a Tesla, I'm all for it. But uh, <laughs> I'm not buying one either. <laughs> That's my point. But but Although I have to say there was something there was a neat experience about walking into a Tesla dealership and saying, I could buy a Tesla. That is kind but, of a cool moment. But I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Not yet. No, um, it's. But having, like you said, those experiences, right? Like some of my fondest memories are vacations or things I've done with friends. It's not about, not even necessarily the place or, or what we did, but who I did it with, right? right. Like the, the memories. So, so once again, those true wealth moments, right? Those memories that we create over time and those lasting memories that we keep with us. Yeah. That's, and, and to me, that's, it's so much about the experience. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have definitely made the transition uh, during the Christmas holiday. It was far more fun for me to watch other people receive gifts than me to get too. them. Or finding uh, things that are thoughtful. That, not that necessarily was genuinely ex- not the case. I will tell you that there was a long time where I was like, it was fun to open the stuff. <laughs> oh, it was fun and exciting. And oh, a new toy. Woohoo. Uh, so I am not getting all like you know, hoity-toity about this. No, 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 no. It's just that I'm at this point where the magic for my kids and the fun of, uh, especially when you do, you find something for somebody that you, you know, you've put some thought into it and you're, you're just looking forward to seeing them open it. Right. That's fun for me. I mean, that's the fun is like, it's almost like the challenge of, uh, okay, I've, I've got to, I've got to find the right thing so that they, when they unwrap it, it's like, ooh, you know, so that's, that's cool. There is something to be said for that. My, uh, my mom got me for my birthday, which is in December, um, bought me an escape room package, mm. which I have yet to redeem because I'm trying to decide who I think would be the most fun people to take with me. That is a really good question, and that'll be a fun experience. I'll I'll be excited to yeah. hear how I'm, that all shakes. I'm pretty down. excited about that. But once again, buying the experience, right? Like that <laughs> right. was way more exciting to me than new clothes or new shoes or or an object, right? Like that. The, like you said, the anticipation of the experience it's, it's, is something that's pretty. It's awesome. actually three phases to it. I mean, it's it's you know you get to be excited for it, you get to do the experience, and then you get to remember it, right? Uh, and of course, the memory thing. Right. The memory thing is probably the best part because we forget the bad stuff. Yeah. And here's proof. 
uh, when you're lonely, your crazy ex isn't so crazy. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say childbirth, right? Every woman in the middle of childbirth is like, I'm never doing this again. Well, and you then, can like, say that. I can't. In I'm the on... politically correct world, <laughs> I can't say that. Okay? There, there are many women that towards the end of their pregnancy are very uncomfortable. How about that? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, shortly after it was like, oh, but the minute you look at that bundle of joy, I swear there's right. like something um, built into us that just says, oh adorable oh, and maybe it, we'll do it, it again it, it is it i mean so you're you're absolutely right and the, the the point is that we forget pain like you remember you were in pain but you don't re-experience pain the same way even no. when you think about how much it hurt your body does not uh recharge those nerve endings no. and simulate what happened and so we forget that thing and what we do is we romanticize and it becomes better and better and you think back you've had some vacations that you know well, actually, that was so fun. And then you play it back in your mind. You're like, except for the hours waiting in the airport or the time <laughs> when we got rained out and we had to do this other thing. Or they, you know, they messed up the reservation and it was an extra 40 minutes before we got to eat. And we were all starving and ready to kill each other. Like, you forget all that stuff. Those are, you remember those, the high watermarks. Are even the silly stories, right? Because oh, a lot of times it's like, oh, we were late and we were hungry. And then, but that, you know, that's what makes we it ran better. into this random person. Person, the celebrity in the store that we shouldn't have met, but we did, or I got sat on the plane, then I had to switch seats, and I got sat next to this person who, you know, cracked me up the whole entire ride. I, finding the blessings in the little moments, even well, when they're crazy and unexpected. Again, that is the point, though, is right? that if you are, you know, the optimist is going to mine the diamonds either way. Okay. Now, if you're an, a natural pessimist and an Eeyore about all of this, then you're going to kind of find a way to, you know, maybe not see it that way. Uh, and that this is not me, you know, if you're genuine. I love that you say Eeyore. <laughs> well, I, your point you of reference it? is Winnie the Pooh. If you're an Eeyore <laughs> in this whole thing. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't so. even, my voice won't even go that low. That's awesome, though. I'm just gonna go home. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, look, we're going to, so today the, we've got things to talk about this show like actual things that we're going to cover besides i do think it's important it's the beginning of the year still right i still want to get that frame of reference for everybody and by so, the way if you haven't sure. abandoned your new year's resolution yet great job because the 12th was the official abandonment day right so you may, you've made it this far carry on uh, but the 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 thing is, so there are several things that we're going to be talking about today besides this. I want to give everybody that reminder of true wealth, right? Uh, what I also want to give you guys a heads up, though, you know, we have, we've been talking about true wealth for a long time. Yes, we have. You know, we've been doing this show... What, for over, over five, I think five years now? I don't think Because you started it before I came on. Really? Yeah, you were doing the radio show before I came on, and so I've been with yeah, you for over four we're years. We're close so to five you're... years now. That's kooky. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'll have we to look have... back on the podcasts. <laughs> we're, so we're officially on iTunes now. Woo, woo. I know. Upgrading. So the, the podcasts are migrating. They've always been available, but this is what happens when – so what, what it was before was, hey, you could get a recording of the show. So the, the recordings of our show, they're actually archived on our webpage. You can go to Little John FS and you can get into the archives and all of the shows we've ever done. If you were really uh, a glutton for punishment, then you could go back and <laughs> get all of them. No. But now we've got, we're on iTunes. So if you miss it, 
you can, or you you know, skip through the stuff and you can hop around in there and get to the points you want to. But uh, so I'm excited about that. We've got uh, the. The, the tech team behind the scenes, uh, that's one of our marketing initiatives for the year. We're going to start pulling things together. And another one, we're getting back to the basics. Okay. Okay. Back so to basics. We are, now this one is one that for many of you, so here's, here. if you are, right, I'm talking to you. If you. If you are somewhere getting close to the age of 60. Okay, that's a specific or date. up to age 70 okay and you have not yet taken your social security oh okay so that's the thing if you've already taken your social security you can still tune in the the thing is what it's It's kind of too late though yes in a sense unless it's been less than 12 months okay Okay. so if you've taken your social security in less than a year from ago you can still listen otherwise this is not going to be as relevant to you because it's going to be kind of like the puppy in the window, right? You can put your nose on the window and look, but you can't touch Aww, because you've already made the decision. But we're going to be doing a a workshop. Uh, in a, it's not a lecture. The, I don't do lectures. No, lectures okay? are boring. They're really boring, but it is sort of a town hall style sit down. And we're going to talk about what is going on with Social Security, how it works, how a lot of people ask me all the time, is it broke? Are we, is it going to be there for me? We're going to be talking about that. Uh, I can't predict the future, but I can tell you some pretty good indications of what's going on with the system. So how the system's built, how it operates. But most functions. importantly, how do you get the most back out of it? How Sounds do you good. optimize your Social Security payback? Interesting. Okay. okay. Now, this is Social Security designed around folks that are going to be using this as a retirement income. If you are talking about a disability benefit, different scenario, you're not going to get choice level in that. You're going to get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? Okay. But for... But when do I take Social Security? If you're right. approaching that retirement age and not sure when to yeah, pull the trigger... And, and the reason is because you can take it as early as age 62. Your full retirement age can be anywhere between 65 and you're, you're over 65 now. So somewhere between 66 and 67 years old okay. is your full retirement age, but you can defer it all the way until age 70. And there are different Payouts. considerations, right? I mean, there are different ramifications to how you make the decision, whether or not you're earning an income, whether or not you've got other assets. All those things are going to come into play. And we're going to talk about how do you fine tune Social Security based on your personal circumstance to try to get the most back out. Okay. Okay. I like it. So if this sounds like something where you're like, hey, I'd like to know about that. Uh, First of all, you can join our mailing lists. Okay. So we've got a newsletter list. We don't really send out tons. We're not going to bury you in marketing literature. No. Mm -mm. Uh, But, you know, maybe once a week we send something out. Uh, You can email, right? So if you send an email to info. I-N-F-O, so like information. So info at littlejohnfs.com, then you can... Figure it out, yeah. yeah. Then, like, then we'll you send can, you all yeah, the details we'll, we'll, for the workshop. We'll get you lined up. Basically, we'll get you RSVP'd for it. We ask for RSVPs because... Well, we only have so much space in our office. Right, and that's it's a fire code issue, honestly. Yeah. And Social Security is one of these... It's a hot topic. We and, and we've oftentimes had a room. We we'll get thirty people in the room. Yeah. 
So, and that's pushing about what we can get in there in chairs before people are sitting on each other's laps, which I'm not above that, but it's probably <laughs> uncomfortable. So we're going to avoid it. A little awkward, especially if you don't know your neighbor. Right. right. <laughs> I'm just so, kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it became a couple's event. Uh, <laughs> I met my wife at Social Security. Yeah. So anyway, right. we're so we're gonna do the Social Security gig, and that'll be January thirty first. So why did you why did you decide to do that now? Is there something going on at the beginning of this year that let you let you figure out like, hey, we should do that now? Because I mean, I know we do it a couple times a year, but I'm just January thirty first is not our typical time that we do it in. Um. Well, we did it because yeah, January 31st isn't typical, but it was because we needed enough time to pull it off, first of all. Okay. And my mission is to try to do one, a, a, a an education clinic every month. Okay. We usually do it on the third Thursday. Right. Uh, but between all the holiday schedule and the first of the year stuff this year, it was actually challenging to, to launch it. Got it. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah, I mean, so, well, I mean, I'll, whole... just, I'll just fess up to the fact that we've had a lot of moving parts. Okay. And... That's the reason why. You're tripping me out here, girlfriend. What are you doing? Yeah. So, I'm taking pictures to announce okay. how amazing you guys are. You know, oh, down low pictures enough. are not not <laughs> ideal. So, kind of, <laughs> did we get the official green light? Did you get the double chin on that one? I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> well, yeah, like, oh, let's yeah, go nice. down underneath so we can make sure to hit the double chin. Yes, it's totally awesome. There you know, like, that we is so that's the official. Shooting. Also, if you'll notice, oh, long first segments. Goodness. Due to we wanted to talk too long and maybe some other technical issues, but we won't discuss those until later. All right, stick around. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Oh my god! I can't even get that one. No, no, we're we're live now. We can't do this. Okay, now we're live. David's David's pulling like the um. Who is that one? Who put? Oh well, it was a little bit of a Heisman, but it wasn't quite that way. I don't, I don't know. know. It's some ridiculous. Uh, we're posing. Was it we Hans take, and Franz? I want to. We're gonna take pictures for iTunes. Like we are okay. So anyhow, all right. So if you have not figured it out, you're listening to Roseburg AM. Yeah. Okay. Roseburg so, AM. AM station in Roseburg, <laughs> where uh, apparently the FCC has not kicked us off the air for shenanigans yet. Heck uh, no, they love us. They're just waiting to find something they're good. They're like, well, you haven't used uh, enough four-letter words to get in trouble, so there you got that. Uh, good good is a good word. Good. Okay? Good. good. <laughs> I, uh, you know, that's uh, the uh, sketch where, you know, mankind describes everything as amazing, stupendous, and, and God says it was good. Is good. Right? You saw the tree good. and it was good. So <laughs> said it was good and it was good. All right. Glad we had this talk. So anyway, look, here's All what right. we're gonna cover today. For for the remainder of this show, I want to help everybody out who who is listening to this show and they're thinking to themselves uh, maybe not the folks on air, they sound like they're having too much fun at their job. But if I was to find a really stuffy, you, you know, you know, like you need that really clinical no personality. That's what a financial advisor is, right? Oh, that would be no fun. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like okay. really stiff so, shirt, yeah. like a lot of starch, right? Like tie up too high kind of thing, yes. like really tight, like kind of almost cutting off cut circulation. Off 15 to 18% of the circulation to your brain. Got it. Okay. That clearly moves you into the financial realm. Got it. So, okay. 
So if you were to be that guy, are you pretending to be that guy or am I pretending to be that guy? We're not going to be able to pull that off. So we're just going to say, in your mind, picture the stuffy financial person. The stuffiest. Okay. Right. Got it. And and realize that that's probably not us. No. Okay. That's step one. And then we're going to ask the question today. So if you are a do-it-yourself investor, this question is not going to be as interesting to you. But if you are working with a financial professional of some kind, this is going to be interesting to you. Okay. It is, what are the questions that you should ask your advisor? Ooh, what and are some questions? What are questions you should ask your financial advisor? I know the ones that people commonly ask. Okay, some well, of. tell me, what are some of the questions that people ask? So sometimes when people call in, they say, what are your fees? Yep. And I think for some reason that is probably in the top five questions that people call and ask. That's now, good. What We're are going, your fees? Well, and that is actually one of the questions that you should ask. So ding, 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 you have hit your first achievement level now, of the day. Awesome. I like it. We're I'm going very goal-oriented. Okay. We're going to cover that, but okay. it's not the first one we're going to cover. What are some other questions that people should ask their financial advisor? How long have you been in business? Okay. Because that kind of lends a little bit to your expertise level, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right? Or maybe how long have you been in the industry? Sure. Because maybe you just started your own shop, but you've been working for quite a while in the industry. So how long? Experience. Tell me about your okay. experience. experience. So I think experience is important. Okay. Um, how... How do you, like, what's your theory or how do you advise or or what's your secret recipe, I guess? Like, how do you do things? Like, what right. makes so you... I'm going to sum that up I, I'm not. In a I'm not saying way, that quite right, what's but... What's your investment philosophy? Okay, that one sounds good. What's your investment okay. philosophy? Yeah, I mean, you and you could ask that. I'm going to I'm gonna make the case here in a bit okay. that that's less important than people think. Right. It's important, but it's not... As important as you may think. That's not usually the deal breaker on whether or not right. we get the client. It probably helps because a lot of people that's, look, just because that's what you think the question is you should ask. Many people go in and they ask questions they think they should ask, but the answer may not be as relevant as you believe. How should I invest my money? Okay. And I think that, um, so another question that I get asked on the phone, which then I say, you need to ask your finance. You need to speak to David because I don't answer these questions. Yet. By the way, we're so going to, I would love it if we had an email campaign to encourage Katie. <sighs> Here's what's going to happen. If you will send emails <laughs> to truewealth <laughs> at littlejohnfs.com. And what I want to do is collect all of you out there that are listeners. I know that Katie's got a bunch of fans out there. Send to True Wealth and say, get your license. I know. David really okay? wants me to get my license. And it's because, first of all, she's act she knows everything already. Like she she's been around this so much now, she's absorbed so much of it that she's actually really good at this. It's and hard when you know the answers and you can't tell people. I have the to answers. tell her it's like you're not when you're when you're in, if you're not licensed, you can't give advice. Right. That's how that works. Right. So I don't right? give advice. Yeah. You could Even... say, here's how it works, <laughs> but you can't give advice. Right. 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 So it's it's that part actually is is very tricky and um, True wealth at littlejohnfs.com. <laughs> and we're going to encourage Katie. This Aww. is a public campaign. We're it gonna, needs to happen. It's like I, she needs some cheerleaders, gang. I we just, just give me some cheerleaders. Needs... We're going to 
you know, just send her that encouragement that it'll be wonderful. If <laughs> so, you say. Okay. Now I lost my train of thought. What were we the... were talking about questions to ask your oh, advisor. Oh, so how should I invest my money? One right. of the things that seems to come up is whether or not to do a Roth or a traditional IRA. Okay, so that's now you're you're. It's interesting because you're commingling. So I'm going to feed you some answers for a minute. I have four questions that I think everybody should ask their advisor. Ooh, okay. Okay. Did I? These, I got one of them. You got one of them, and, and I got half of some. <laughs> and you got parts. And what happens is they all get rolled up. There's probably hundreds of questions you could ask. But I'm going to give you four. Okay. And these four questions will guide you to other questions. But the answer to them is going to be very, very informative. And the one we're going to do this is I'm going to give you the question. And then we're going to talk about what is what is behind the question. Yeah. When the question is okay. not really the question. So what's the question? What's the answer? But what's behind the question? Ooh, I like it. Let's do All it. All right. So the first one is, is your advisor earning commissions on your investments? Oh, that is a good question. Okay. And how, um, okay, is my advisor earning commissions? So why, what is the question in the question? All right. So first of all, you're asking how do people get compensated? Right. Okay. When you so, work with a professional, you're going to pay them. Right. In, in nearly every case. And any time a professional is giving something away, they're usually doing one of two things. Uh, it may be that they are simply being kind to you and they're doing something pro bono. But in many cases, what they are doing is they are giving away certain things because they're trying to get to something else. They're trying to build rapport. They're trying to build a relationship. They may be trying to simply improve their name and reputation in the community. Uh, well, and so think of it this way. How many financial social workers do you know? Zero. Yeah. So, well, that's and I lied. <laughs> I lied. That's not so. There are credit counselors and things, uh, folks that have jobs that are designed to help folks that have really their their net worth is essentially negative, and what they need is help digging out. So they're sort of like uh, you know Dave Ramsey style counselors, but they are in fact state employees that are, that's their but that's their a little role. different than a financial advisor that's a financial social worker well, saying come to me and i won't charge you anything to tell you how to do your retirement for the rest of our yeah that relationship. doesn't that doesn't really exist uh, in that respect so when you're asking though does your advisor earn a commission there's so much more to that so how are they getting compensated you're also asking a question about how is your business organized Right. And this kind of goes into suitability and fiduciary and other topics that we've covered on the it's show. The, it's the F word, Katie. I know. It's, it's the, the F, F word that's important in our industry. Right. How <laughs> it's not paid? a four-letter word. It's the F word. It turns out uh, there's a difference in how a the level of liability an advisor has to their customer. Okay. okay. A commissionable event is exactly that it is an event it occurs at that moment in time think about purchasing a vehicle right okay it's a transaction the right. salesperson is compensated for facilitating the transaction they worked with you they helped answer your questions perhaps they took you on a test drive they introduced you and and uh, sort of ushered you through the process of establishing financing or getting it paid for. Right. And so for facilitating the transaction, they receive a commission. When the transaction is concluded, it is over. Right. The it's not like they're yeah. receiving a commission as long as you own the vehicle. Yeah, the car met your need. At when, that moment. When you purchased it. Right. So it was suitable 
for you. Okay. Now, there may have been lots of cars on the lot. There may even have been a car that would have been a better price, maybe even the same year and model that could have been at a better price. Was it the duty of the salesman to get you, the customer, the very best price? Not really. Not really. Now, was it their duty to take advantage of you? No. No. But it was to find a transaction that was suitable, that you could afford it, you got what you wanted, there was compensation structure in it, but car dealerships are there to make money. I right. mean, we all know that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fun, a little to, bit it's fun to pick on the car salesman as the analogy. Uh, the problem is I've just known too many professional car salesmen. You know, I've known some that are pretty bad too, but I've known a lot of them that are they're very professional. They interact with the dealership. The dealership has to stay in business as well. They right. have cost of inventory and right. keeping people on staff and lights on and all that stuff. So I'm not here to demonize commissionable transactions, but it does tell us something about how the advisor is practicing because they have to make a recommendation that's suitable at the time and they're compensated for it versus a fiduciary advisor who, if they make a recommendation, they need to continuously monitor that recommendation. To make sure it's still suitable. To make sure that that suitability is maintained. They have an ongoing requirement of suitability, not just in the moment of the transaction, but on an ongoing basis, because they are compensated not by commissions, but by a fee. This is thinking of, think of it like a retainer fee. I have hired you to watch over this for me on an ongoing basis until the relationship is terminated or otherwise changed. Right. And if my situation changes, then you should be adapting my strategy based on my situation. Well, if you, it is you, called you, for. Yeah, it, it, what it means is you cannot set it and forget it. Right. Okay, so the advisory role is different. And so that very question, is your advisor earning a commission on the investment? It implies many other things. And it says, well, if it's not a commission, then how are they compensated? Are they or are they not fiduciaries? And what is motivating the recommendation? Because a recommendation that is suitable does not necessarily mean in your best interest. It just doesn't, it just means it's not harmful, right? right? You know, two, in two, two investment opportunities uh, that one of them has higher compensation than the other, but both are suitable they may be incentivized to recommend with the, the higher, higher compensation. Comp compensation option for themselves as opposed to getting the best, best interest deal for of the you. client. Right. And it is a legal distinction, so it's important to understand those. That's why that question is so revealing. Okay. And please bear in mind, everybody out there listening, somebody that receives a commission for a transaction that does not make it a poor transaction, nor does it mean you've been taken advantage of. Nor does it, it mean they're a bad person. Right. It simply alerts you to the type of business you are engaged in. You are in a brokerage transaction as opposed to a, an advisory transaction. And that's kind of where the term stockbroker came from, right? When people used to say, my stockbroker, you would go to somebody to broker a deal for you to purchase right. stock, and then you would then own it. Right. Right? Okay. Okay. So... Good question. The, the next question that I think you should ask your financial professional is, uh, do you, and I guess it's a question you can ask yourself about your financial advisor. Okay. Did you receive a strategy that was personalized to your goals? Ooh. How about if I don't know what my goals are? Well, did you go through <laughs> a process to help identify your goals? Okay. 
That's a good one. Okay. Because, and, and so again, that, if, and like I said, that question is going to lead you to other questions, right? Right. Did you get a personalized strategy? Here's what this means. You go somewhere and every investor has the exact same investments. You're not getting a customized solution anymore. I mean, that's kind of like going to a mutual fund. You buy the same fund, you get what it is. But if you're working with an advisor, you're looking for advice then okay. the advice should be customized. If it's fiduciary advice, it should be customized to your needs. Now, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have something that somebody else has. Absolutely like you, not. You know, you may have something that's similar to your peer group yeah. based on your income and your age and yeah. everything Look, else. You know, many artists work in the same medium. Uh, you know, all painters have, they basically work with the same paint. What they produce with that paint is very different. True. Right. The customization from the components is very, very different. Right. You know, all cars are made out of plastic, rubber, metal, and so forth. Uh, that doesn't make them the same car. No. Okay. And so <laughs> no, it that's how you, and, and in fact, you can have a lot of common parts, right? You know, cars, you can have two cars with the same tires and they're still different cars. So, well, even GMCs a, and Chevys. Yeah. You can have a lot of components in common and still be customized. Right. So, I don't want you to get the impression that uh, customization means that you get something that's uniquely perfect for you and nobody else has it. Uh, it turns out you may be categorically similar to other investors and you may have a similar strategy. But does the advisor have only one strategy and everybody gets the same thing, right? Do you have a tube sock or not? A tube sock. <laughs> okay. Tube. Right. Why did that come to your mind? A tube sock? Oh, it came from a long time ago. Somebody else told me one time. But, you know, the tube sock is sort of a, oh, sure, it fits size uh, 6 to 13. Like, that's a lot of variability to that tube sock there. <laughs> uh, so Very it's true. really not that custom no. is, the, is the point. No, it's uh, not. Versus something fitted to you. Right. All right. Okay. So those are two questions that I suggest. Now, I've got two more that I think we need to look at. But yes, as the music will indicate, we've got to take Our another next break. break. Yeah. So stick around and we'll be back where we're going to be covering more of questions you should be asking your financial professional. I like it. This and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. Got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240 KQEN. You're right. It's I know. Thing. It's getting less <laughs> I'm saying, I still try to be politically correct, but I'm getting bad at it. I'm getting worse at it. And I think the older you get, the more convicted you get about your opinions, yeah, right? Well, I, yeah, like I, you just and you kind of care a little less what people think. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't lack for conviction. That is for sure. I just don't. You know, I'm not looking to make people mad on purpose. I just some of the stuff that folks get so bent on. I think the thing that I like the least about political correctness is it's the gotcha. Like you could say something by accident and it could destroy you. Yeah. And to me, that is such an abuse of intent. You know, the idea that everybody is assumed guilty until proven innocent, tried by the media so often, and nobody's even given a shot. You know, Do you feel like PC is really that big of a thing anymore? I, I, I feel like it's kind of on its way out. Like it was a bat, it was well, a trend I, no, for a while I, I where it was more focused. I think it's hugely a big thing right now, and I still see it happen. I mean, the most interesting thing to me is that I, I most often see it. Uh, if if we're going to say that you know white people are the majority of the population, it's mostly white people accusing other white people of being culturally insensitive to people that aren't white. 
That's what I see a lot of. Mm. And so I'm like, wait a second. When did it become the job to like you know sort of self call somebody else out to defend virtue and uh, and the All idea? Right, let's of, move on yeah. to the. Let's. I don't want to get into politics. Let's move on. Yes. To the, so the uh, good idea. Good idea. Back I, to yeah, no, questions for today. the financial advisor. All right. So I'm interviewing financial advisors, trying to figure out where to park my money. Yep. Or you've already got one, and you should ask these questions, right? All right. So the next question is, and we have two to go. Two right? to go. Two to go. First, well, first, what are the first two questions? First question is, is your advisor earning commissions on your investments? Okay. Right. The next question is, did you receive a strategy personalized to your goals? Okay. Okay. Third the question. Third question, are you getting the right kind of performance? Ooh, that can be tricky, though. It is tricky. That question is very That sounds like a loaded gun to me. That question is very loaded, and it's intended to make you all think for a minute. So Are you getting the right kind of performance? The right kind of performance. What would be the wrong kind of performance? Well, I think this is about understanding your yardstick. Huh? How are you measuring, Katie? How am I measuring? Okay. If you're measuring with a yardstick and I'm measuring with a bucket, we're not even <laughs> using the same unit of measurement. True. Okay. And that's the issue here is that many people will simply pick something familiar. Perhaps you say, well, hey, the Dow was up, right? I mean, it's up 300 points today. That's big, right? And you go, well, that depends. You don't own anything that's in the Dow. Yeah, Your investment so, strategy has nothing to do with the Dow whatsoever. Right. So the Dow is doing what it does. It's totally unrelated to your strategy, but yet that's your basis of measurement. You're saying, well, I'm going to use this as my measure. Meanwhile, your advisor is saying, well, that's inappropriate because it has nothing to do with the way we're doing investing for you. But but here is something that you're going to go, well, duh, right? Um, if you have an investment strategy that is going down during a time when everything is going up. You may want to look at what you are invested in. Yeah, unless in. you're intentionally investing in an inverse strategy. Uh, Which I haven't duh. met anybody yet that does that. Yes. But... Uh, the thing is, performance is important, okay? But you need to frame it in terms of what you're doing and what the mission objective was. So I have a good uh, comparison to that one. Okay. I love it when people say, well, my neighbor just got a huge tax return. How come I didn't? So what? Did yeah. you overpay your taxes? Well, <laughs> you didn't. Like, your situations are different. Your income is different. Maybe the amount of children you have are different. Like, you can't Actually, just... my, my favorite is the person that says, well, I went to an accountant, but I, you know, I went to the CPA, but I didn't get a refund. And, well, the CPA didn't conjure. Like, they, yeah. How come they couldn't find a refund for me? I thought because they were CPA, they should magically be able to produce a refund for me. Yeah, no. It's, it's kind of like, well, hey, uh, it's when somebody comes to our office, we've actually had this happen. We've had somebody come in and they said, well, you know, I just inherited like $1,500 and I figured I need to get this invested to turn it into a million bucks. And I go, okay, well, can you give me about 75 years? <laughs> and they go, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's not winning the lottery. Yeah, it's, it's not that's the not same the way investments thing. work, right? You know, it's it, it doesn't work that way. But that's how somebody believed it worked because they wouldn't have asked the question if they didn't think that's how it worked. Well, and I've they heard may, you I mean, say they may be naive, but that's and and you know, this person, by the way, like I said, real person, and they were actually very friendly, very kind, just misunderstanding the way the process works. That's right. fair, believe it or not. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying they needed to be grounded in their expectations. OK, 
okay, that, you know, this is not a lottery ticket event, and I do not know what the next overnight success is going to be, no more than any other person out there does. Right. Well, I've also heard you say before that if invested correctly, that your money in general should double every seven years, roughly, roughly every seven years. If you're invested in equities, typically, yes, or mostly equities. And what are equities? Stocks. Okay. So if you're invested in stocks. You figure that if you're doubling your money every seven years, you're earning about 10%. That's The thing is, in the last 15 years, that number continues to ratchet down. Mm. Uh, you still have good years, but the average rate of return has dropped. And this is something that Dave Ramsey listeners need to be aware of. This idea that, hey, I'm just going to invest in growth, aggressive growth, growth in income in international stocks. I'm going to make 12% a year. Good luck. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, but that would not have been the case if you if you had the worst timing ever and, and started investing in about... February of 1999, and you uh, pulled your money out in February of 2009, Okay, then you would have had a 10-year experience in the S&P 500 for the first time in its history that you would have lost money on a rolling 10-year period. Oh, that would now, have been horrible. had you simply held out through the rest of 2009, you went up, I don't know, 26% or yeah, more that year. Something ridiculous. So you made a really good recovery all at once. But that's been the nature of this market. We've had extraordinary government intervention. We've had all kinds of radical policy change, and we've seen a significant shift away from the United States being the single largest player in the world to a more global marketplace where the United States is still dominant, but now shares the role with many other players. Right. So to say that you are going to definitely get 10% a year going forward, maybe not. And if you really want to get into it, you start to take out the effects of inflation and so forth, your actual purchasing power, I think it's a safer bet to say, you know, about 7% above inflation is what you're actually earning. That that doubles your money every 10 years, not every seven. Ah, see, so so keep those numbers in mind, right? So that same right? person that comes in and says, I have $1,500. It's, okay, it's why so the yardstick is so important. And also, are you paying taxes or not along the way and so forth? So that it's just a hugely critical... Uh, consideration in everything that we do here. But that's still the appropriate question and is how am I measuring performance? Because you want to make sure that you're measuring against a benchmark that accurately reflects your customized strategy oh, from question two. Okay, so what's the last question? What is the last question? The one we answer after our last break. Dun, dun, dun. Stay know. tuned, so guys. So stick around. I've got one more question that I want you to ask your financial professional. So we'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Chuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, guys. Home stretch of the True Wealth Show, where we are reminding everybody. To send emails to oh. truewealth at littlejohnfs.com. We are encouraging Katie to get her license. I know. Somebody and already just sent me a little love. I thank know. You. So Thanks. thank you, everybody. <laughs> as these emails are pouring in, that is fantastic. You know, the hardest part about this is I'm not against it. By the way, I just want to say that for the record. I'm not against getting my license. 
It's the fact that it's not my sweet spot. Like information and management is my sweet spot. But we all have to grow, Katie. We it's all a have required necessity for my future path at Little John. There and you go. I am just I have big plans for you. That's what it comes down <laughs> to. All right. Yeah, so, God tells me that too. <laughs> so we've got We've got one last question. We have in a good our series, one. okay, so tune into the podcast, now available on iTunes. Look for True Wealth, and you'll see the Little John logo and all that. But uh, anyway, uh, we're asking questions. What are four questions you should ask your advisor? Question one is, is your advisor earning commissions on your investments? Okay. Question, question two, two, did you receive a strategy personalized to your goals? Mm, question question three, three, how do you benchmark your performance? Yep, are, are you getting the right kind of performance? All right, right? performance is and key. And then the last question, and the number one question in our practice, do you know exactly what fees you're being charged? Or what are you being charged for? Right. How about that? Like, and what are you getting? Yeah, and right? I would I would say a lot of people come in and they go, what is your fee? And I feel like that is a short question for a very loaded answer yeah. it's what happens is that's a coached question by the way you have for for our listeners many people have been sort of baited into asking the question too directly because it's a complex question there are layers of fees first of all there's not a fee there's which fees are happening right now can you identify the fees for me that's a better question because well are you talking about mutual fund fees or are you talking about uh, transaction fees or brokerage fees wire fees are you talking about advisory fees are you talking about commissions are you talking about 12 b1s there are lots of different little idiosyncrasies in that fee question you just threw out a ton of stuff that some people are like a 12 b what exactly the point is that the financial industry is very sophisticated at putting fees in awkward places so it is hard to see them yeah, because they don't want to scare you. Right. <laughs> and for especially for advisory practices, many more of the fees tend to be disclosed. So you see them. It doesn't mean that you're not paying fees anywhere else, too. So you should ask. Don't just ask, uh, what are your fees? Say, can you tell me the various fees associated with what you're doing? And perhaps could you compare it with what I'm doing now? You right. know, can you help me to identify the fees for what I'm already doing? That, you know what? That actually is a good part to that question. Um, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody ask that, but I know you have explained it to people. Right. It's, like, not, what? it's not what the fee is. It's what all of the fees are. Right. right. Because, it, you know, if you, it looks like there's no fee, but there really is, then you're just paying more than you realize. And so that's the part is transparency in our industry is tricky. So what you're really asking for is can you help make fees more transparent so I know what I'm paying for? And then compare apples to apples then instead apples of apples to, apples to oranges. Exactly. So look, for more about that, reach out to your financial professional. If you don't have one, they can call us. Or Katie. you can get a second opinion. There you go. So <laughs> And uh, also littlejohnfs.com. Uh, but we're out of time for now. Katie, thank you as always. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. <laughs> <laughs>